Hey everybody, it's Chip and Eric, Reading Through the Bible, America's number one Newton-based Bible reading podcast for two years in a row. Speaking of two years in a row, Eric, today is day 343, and we're going to read Matthew 19 through 21, 22. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went down to the region of Judea, east of the Jordan River. Large crowds followed him there, and he healed their sick. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for any for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? They asked. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus' disciples then said to him, if this is the case, it is better not to marry. Not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said, only those whom God helps. Some are born as eunuchs, some have been made eunuchs by others, and some have chosen not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. And Jesus replied, You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. Then Peter said to him, We've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, those who have been my followers will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some people standing around. He said to them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the, the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only an hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you've paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. 
He answered one of them, friend, haven't, I haven't been unfair. Didn't, I, didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should I be jealous? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. He took the 12 disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen to them. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem, where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die. Then they'll hand him over to the Romans to be mocked with the whip and crucified, but on the third day he'll be raised from the dead. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, he asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in the places of honor next to you, one on your right and another on your left. Jesus answered them by saying, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied. We're able. Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My Father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lorded over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others and give his life a ransom for many. As Jesus and the disciples left the towns of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them. But they only shouted louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. <coughs> when Jesus heard them, he stopped and he called, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly they could see. Then they followed him. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus <coughs> sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Praise God in the highest heaven! The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? they asked. And the crowd replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple, began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, The scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, Praise God for the Son of David! But the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, Do you hear what these children are saying? <laughs> yes, Jesus replied. Have you ever read the scriptures? For they say, You've taught children and infants to give you praise. Then he returned to Bethany, where he stayed overnight. In the morning, as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry, and he noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. The disciples were amazed when they saw this and asked, How did the fig tree wither so quickly? Then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. You can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you'll receive it. 
And that, that is our reading today. today. And we read that with two questions in mind, Chip. The first one, of course, is what does this tell us about God? And the next is what does this tell us about ourselves? And so, Chip, my question for you, sir, is mm-hmm. what did that tell us about God? Great question, Eric. Thanks. Hey, um, this tells me that you can't trap God. Mm. The Pharisees tried to trap Jesus, you know, with that question, you know, and they tried to trap him. They did that a lot, you know. And really, the I think the underlying thing behind all this, yeah, you can't trap God. Okay, get that. You can't trick him. You can't hide from him. Nope. You can't fool him. You can't surprise you, him. You can't surprise him. You can't fly under the radar. Nope. You know, he sees everything, knows everything. He gets the deepest part of who we are. He knows our hearts. He wants our hearts. He sees our hearts. And at the end of the day, on the outside, you know, we can look amazing on the inside. We can be rotten. And we know where that comes from, from sin itself. And so we're all sinners. And and so um, we can't trap God. We can't fool God. We can't hide from him. And so we need to be real with him. And so I think, us, you know, when we know that we're sinners and he's our savior and we can never me- measure up. And even he gets to that and he says, humanly speaking and talking about being saved, it's impossible. Yeah. You can't do it. But with God, everything is possible. Yeah. God can do it. God provided it. God did it. We just need to believe it, humble ourselves before the, the mighty hand of God and realize that everything is open before him. Mm-hmm. And we're honest before him and we say we need him. So you, I'll just say this, this way, you can't trap God. I love that. I love that. Mine doesn't necessarily tie into that, but what this tells me about us, I love the story with the two blind men who are like, son of David, have mercy on yeah, us. Yeah. And the crowd says, shut up. Yeah. And they're like, son of David, have mercy on us, right? Because they were in a desperate, desperate place where they desperately wanted to be able to see. They had no one else, right? right. It was just these two blind men. They just wanted to see. They wanted to be healed. They wanted to be made whole. And so they yelled as loud as they could, even when the crowd told them to stop. And... Um, man, so what's this tell me about us? We just need to be louder than the crowd, and when the crowd doesn't like it, too bad. You know, if like we it. need the son of David, then we need the son of David. And let me tell you, we do need the son of <laughs> we David. We need him. And the crowd was missing the point completely. Yeah. Right? The crowd followed behind, and they were missing it completely. And so I just love that. Be louder than the crowd, and when they tell you to stop, yell louder. Who cares? Yeah. That's what I would say. That's good, Eric. Well, we thank you That's guys good. for joining us today. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Oh. Well, that was very nice. Yeah, you're welcome. It was extremely complimentary. Don't forget about our big party coming up. Yep, it's on December 20th. It is. It's from 6.30 to 8. December 20th now? Do we change it? Nope, that's a different party. <laughs> okay. 27th. The Harvest Church Christmas party is okay. December 20th. Okay. You can come to that too, but it won't be at the church, so good luck finding it. <laughs> good luck. Uh, December 27th. 2-7 is December 27th. You'll want to be there. Okay. So we'll see you guys. All right, love you. Bye.